Big questions, even bigger guests. This is The Big Interview. Good day and welcome to the latest episode of The Big Interview. I am happy to be joined by a gentleman who keeps Mzanzi up to date with South Africans playing their football overseas. Writer, digital scout and player monitor, Mr. Prince Sobayani, welcome to the show. Aiden, my brother, good morning. And yeah, man, thanks for having me in the show. It's a pleasure to be part of your show. Um, I know we'd, we'd meant to, to talk much earlier, but you know, it's been a bit hectic. But yeah, thanks for having me, man. Well, Prince, welcome to the SL Podcast. Uh, why don't you start off by telling us how you got into player monitoring, specifically the monitoring of players overseas? Yeah, look, man, um, it's a very, it's been a very, you know, um, interesting journey. You know, that started about eleven years ago. Um, you know what basically drove me into the space, you know, to just be brief, you know, was the fact that I noticed that um, in terms of the local the local space in South Africa, you know, there wasn't a lot of focus in terms of uh, monitoring our players that are playing overseas. Never mind that mm -hmm. we, you know, we, we we were not as interested in in, in, in players who were born in South Africa, who were born overseas, you know, but they were of, you know, South African origin or their, their South African roots. And at the time where I started working, because for me, my passion has always been the national team more than, you know, club football. I'd, I'd always been more interested in the national team. Mm -hmm. So at the time that I started, um, the national team was really, really not doing so well. I mean, there was a serious decline in terms of the quality of the players, in terms of the performances on the field, in terms of even our rankings. We were starting, we were at a, at, at a, at a point where we're not doing so well. So, I mean... I started to, to look, to, to think and say, look, look, the, are, the, are the players that we have locally and some of the players that we have overseas that are coming to the national team the only players that we have? Um, if not, which other players are there that we can find that can come and bolster the national team? And I think more, moreover, you know, there was a bit of interest in, in that space because when you looked around the world, especially when you looked in Africa, mm -hmm. they had players that were mostly playing overseas. And I sort of had many questions. Why don't we have um, as many players that are playing overseas? And I think basically that's how, you know, the whole journey started. And as much as it started as something of um, from a passionate, uh, from a passionate angle, I grew into it and from maybe a hobby, it became something that I turned into a profession. And yeah, here we are today, more than a decade later. Super, super cool to hear that. Now I'm going to start off uh, some, some real questions here. I hope you don't mind. And I wanted to ask in your opinion, do you think that overseas based players are being neglected by our national setup? No, honestly, I mean, I don't even think it's a question of, um, it, it's, a, it's, it's a matter of, you know, um, being debated, I think that is the case. That is the that has been the case for some time now, and I think to a certain extent it has affected us massively in terms of, um, you know, the depth or the pool of the players that we select from. Mm -hmm. Because until a certain time in South African football, we we sort of threw the net as wide as we could to get the best possible talents, but. You know, there came there came a time where we we sort of sort of looked inward more than we, we started looking outside. 
Um, I mean, I remember having a conversation with Stanton Fredericks, um, who used to play in Russia. He told me that he was playing in Russia, but for him to even have to be looked at for the 2006 World Cup, he had to come back home because no one even knew how he was doing overseas and was sidelined in the national team. Sure. Um, this is around 2005, somewhere there. And, you know, the patterns started that time. And even till today, the patterns, you know, are, are basically still the same. And if you look at the pattern of results, it's been the same results in terms of how much we've been declining. Because at the time when we did well, majority of the players we had were playing in the best leagues, you know, in Europe. Or they were playing in Europe. So I do think that currently, you know, overseas-based players are being neglected. There are many cases where I can make an example of how um, us not having, you know, proper player monitoring uh, pl- uh, systems that could give us players that we don't even know or we, we were not aware of um, how how effective it could be or how it has affected us not having those systems. I mean, I mean Bradley Ralano, for example, is a perfect example of this because he played overseas majority of his career, but no one even knew Ralani before he came back to South Africa and played for Cape Town City. Mm. So we've seen his quality. Everyone has seen his quality, but by the time he came back, he was well into his 30s. So which sort of, um, he came back late. But if we had a focus or a system that track players, we would have known Ralani as soon as when he was still 22, 23. Yeah. No, no, for sure. I want to I want to continue on this on your train of thought here. You mentioned the word pattern and and what's going on. How can this pattern be changed? What do you think needs to happen? Yeah, look, look, man, you know, um, the story of Morocco has shown us um, mm. how international football works. I mean, I think with South Africa, I think this is what I, I wanted to say that South Africa is, is we want it's like we want to live in our own island independent island outside of the realities of 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 international football in this in in this instance um international football is really about you know um is is about the nation it's about international football it's about playing football at the highest level Mm. with the best teams in the world if you want to compete with the best teams of the world you have to sort of adapt to the trends or realities of international football um, you know, we've seen it in so many times in South Africa. If you are born in England uh, to a South African father, South African mother, you have to be treated as if you are a special, you know, you are a special type of citizen of South Africa. You are a special, uh, special type of citizen of, of South Africa, but you are not treated as someone who was born and raised in Soweto, for example. When it comes to you, there's a bit of, um, I don't know if it's an attitude, or it's it's I don't know how how it's it's just some strange uh, mentality of how people view players you know who were born outside of South Africa to South African parents, and I think it has uh, happened in so many for so many years and it has been normalized that we thought that it was normal. But with the cases of Morocco, who has who had players around 14, 15 players in the entire squad out of the 26 who were born outside of Morocco. And in the starting lineup, you had about eight players starting who were born outside of Morocco. And if you looked at how Morocco performed on the field and how United they were off the uh, they were off the field, you, you you should learn something from that. And South Africa is you know over 100 players who qualify in that category to play for South Africa. But if you look currently in the national team, we don't even have one player in the current setup. You know that was born outside of South Africa. Mm, mm. So I think it's something that we need to change. 
it's something that we we need to understand that it's how international football works it's how the international space works it's, it's the realities of the international space and um no player as long as they, they they qualify to play for south africa no player should be closed out um you know um, on the basis of basically societal belonging or whatever you used, used to call it i remember one national team even said that one player will struggle to come into the setup because of social cohesion you know mm. we, we can't we can't have such you know we can't have such a mentality when it comes to the national team the national team is not um, like it's not an in the national team is a national team it's not a team that's maybe it's so it's a based team for that community it's a national team where you've got people of all uh, backgrounds different races different backgrounds and different even ethnic ethnicities but at the end of the day they are all south africans and they all deserve an equal chance whether they're playing locally or they're playing overseas there mustn't be a situation where there must be some sort of uh, category reserved for overseas based players especially those who were born outside of south africa all players should be in one basket and we should select the quality from that basket best based on merit absolutely so 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 that's my opinion and i do think that safa need to uh, come up with a system you know that can be able to track uh, that can be able to discover that can be able to to monitor and profile those players players of south african players who qualify to play for south africa worldwide if we can have that system then we would have you know a bigger advantage at us having at least if we're talking about 23 men squad having quality more than having quantity which is what we've been seeing over the years and the results are there for everyone to see we are at our lowest so those are the realities that we face prince you mentioned that there's a pool of over 100 south africans who are born overseas but you know to south african parents out of this crop who do you think is standing out and and who really is knocking on bafana's door yeah look to be honest with you majority of the players is young players majority of the players is players aged between 10 and i would say you know 20 years old so i wouldn't really you know i would say majority of the players they qualify for the junior teams and um, in terms of the quality that we have in terms of those players we've got you know there's a lot of quality in terms of from under 17 under 20 and even under 23 for that matter but when it comes to bafana bafana i mean man um the vitesse striker recently came through my assistance to to sort out his paperwork um he's just broken into the first team i'm using using him as an example because he's just um, someone who came into mind because i recently dealt with him a couple of weeks ago mm. he recently broke into the first team of vitesse in the eredivisie uh, simon van duiverboden uh, he plays for vitesse anham in the in the netherlands he recently broke into the first team and recently scored his first team uh, first senior goal and i think it's someone who has expressed you know interest in playing for south africa so much that he's even come down to sort out his passport so that he can be eligible to play for south africa so that's one player that i think in the next months we will have to um you know keep an eye on there's another player called uh, philippe sandle Philippe Sandler plays for now NEC in the Netherlands as well. He was born in Amsterdam to a South African father and an American mother. Mm-hmm. And he went through the Ajax Amsterdam Academy until he was around about 15 16 and then he joined Pegzole that side which he played, you know, very well as a teenager. I was playing first team football and surprisingly he was signed by Pep Guardiola, you know, around 2018. 
he went to Manchester City. Uh, you know, but unfortunately, his time there, man, he just had a lot of injuries. Literally, his whole, you know, his whole, the whole time he spent there, he had injuries. So he went out on a number of loans before coming back to the Netherlands and signing for 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 NEC. I think, you know, to be scouted by, you know, someone like Pep Guardiola. I mean, we've seen the type of defenders. He's the centre back. We've seen the type of defenders that he scouts. Um, there is something you know, special about the player and him now coming back to play regularly. I, in my own opinion, we we should have long roped the player in when we were still at Manchester City, but he's still 25 now, born in 97. There's still a chance for us to, to, to bring him in. Mm. And he's playing regularly on that side and we need centre-backs. You know our situation here when it comes to centre-backs. We don't really have many options. I think would add quality. Uh, we would add quality in that space. So, you know, there's a number of players. There's a number of players. Haukelo Chauke, everyone knows his story. Southampton player, but alone in the third division in England. Although I think he can start with the under-23s for now, but it's someone that in the next year, because he's going back to Southampton in June, within maybe the next year or so, should be roped into the national team. So there's a number of these players, you know. And I really, really think that if we can have that system, it would assist us in terms of tracking their progress so that when the time comes for them to be roped into the national team, it's not a difficult job. Because part of this uh, of digital scouting, there's also an element of managing relationships with parents, players, and clubs. So meaning that if you do find a Prince Obayani playing for Manchester City from the time he's 15 years old or 14 years old, you manage the relationship, you have a relationship with the player and his family to talk to them that South Africa has an interest in that player so that when the time comes, he's able to represent South Africa. And I think we've been failing dismally in that space. Now, if the national squad was to include more overseas-based players, I know you've just said that a lot of the current ones that are overseas are still quite young, but let's look at the next five years or even the next 10 years. If overseas-based players were to be given a more a more fair chance and more of an opportunity, where could you see Bafana Bafana going? Yeah, look, man, I think for one, we can start with the 2025 AFCON and 2026 World Cup. I think we would qualify for, for those easily. And I think we would qualify for 2025. Um, I mean, we would compete at the 2025 AFCON. I mean, look, for example, in recent times, we've had uh, Spepelos Tolle coming to the national team and play like he's been in the national team for you know, for the past five years. But he only debuted against Morocco and he was probably our most outstanding player in that day. And that was his debut. Now, you know, Pepelo is only 23 years old. He's been playing in Portugal for some time, having left when he was 18 years old. But now he had been playing the Premier League. But when he played, for example, that game against Morocco away, you you could see that there was no fear. You could see that he was head and shoulders above Above, above his peers on the day. You know, the highlights are even there on YouTube. You can go and watch yourself and you can analyze uh, minute by minute. You can analyze moment by moment. I mean, he assisted that Lyle Foster goal, for example. Lyle Foster, again, who also plays overseas, but we know that was produced by Orlando Paris, but he went overseas around four, four years ago. He left there when he was 18, but now he struggled at the beginning, but now Lyle Foster is coming into, into his own. He's probably one of the best strikers in Belgium at the moment. So... Exporting more overseas players does assist. We've seen Luke Luru, who's been through the under-17, under-20, under-23 system, who went overseas to Sweden. We saw him making his debut against Sierra Leone. But if you watch that game, Luke was playing as if it was not even his first game for the national team. Mm. 
So that's what maybe exporting more players or having more players overseas gives you. You know, we've got so many other... Misali Mayambela has a similar situation. It was his debut against Sierra Leone. He even scored in that game. He came into the setup, bringing the experience from, from overseas, and he, he performed so well. But now we're talking about three, four players. Now imagine if in the starting lineup you'd have around eight of these players. We're not talking about Tabo Tzayle who has not been given his chance in the national team. We're not, uh, we're not talking about Kianin Ayer who has not been given his chance in the national team. These are senior players who are playing regular, who are playing first team football at their clubs. And they are, they are not uh, so old. You are talking about 22, 23 year olds who still have an opportunity to come in. But unfortunately, Kianin Ayer, who was in the same academy as Mohamed Kudus of Ghana, they were in the same age group. They developed together at Right to Dream in, in, in Ghana. Um, Kianin Ayer has not even made his debut for the, he never played even for our junior teams. That tells you about our scouting. You cannot have a, you can't have a player in one of the best academies, in fact, the number one academy in Africa, but that player can't even crack it into under 17, under 20. And till now, he's 22 years old now. He has never made his, his senior team debut. Mm. Now it begs, it, it begs questions. Do they even know him as Safa? Or is it another case of Bradley, of Bradley Ralani? Or is it another case of May Matlangu, who was, um, who, who who was brought in and given just a few caps, but he was brought in much later. He had won player of the season in Sweden and won, you know, many hours. In fact, the, the, the Swedes, they wanted to bring him to their national team. That's when we started to call him. And we called him three, four times. And we saw his performances in the AFCON in 2013. He was one of the best players. But we underutilized him. As much as even now, we're underutilizing Lebo Hang Piri, who unfortunately... Um, you know, in his last game, one man of the match against Sudan, he scored that goal against Sudan. Uh, but unfortunately, he had a serious knee injury after that, and he has never been seen into the national team ever ever since. He's been playing overseas for 10 years, but he's only got nine Bafana Bafana caps. What does that tell you, t- tell you about our system? Sure. Prince, I have one more question to ask you here, and it goes without saying that the development structures abroad are, and locally are miles apart. This gap needs to be closed, and what can be done in order to bridge that gap? Yeah, look, um, to be quite honest with you, I've said this before that we need, as South Africa, we need to start benchmarking, um, especially the the, the 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 South American teams: Brazil, Argentina, Colombia. You know, the South American part of the world, because mm. number one. In terms of technical strength, in terms of technical ability, we are at the same level as Brazil, as Argentina. In terms of physical uh, stature, we are built the same way. In terms of strengths, our strengths basically um, are the same. But when we, for example, when, if you can take a South African under 12 team to Brazil, they can go there and they can match Brazilians and even beat the Brazilians under, three, under 12. But what happens with South Africa is that beyond under 13, we I don't we there's something that we miss in terms of our development. And that that's what we need to go to Brazil. We need to go to Argentina and say, from this age group under 13, and uh, maybe they say between under 13 and under 16, what is it that they do right that we don't do right? I think that's the reality that we need to start doing. And secondly, we need to look into having even if it's one or two, we need to have a national a national academy. As, as a country, we need to have a national academy. A national academy that will speak to the plans of SAFA in terms of our playing style, the plans of SAFA, of SAFA in terms of our coaching, in terms of 
having one uniform, um, you know, one uniform, you know, identity, so to say, because currently in South Africa, you've got 32 teams in the NF, both the NFT and the PSL, but you'll find that out of the 32 teams, each team has their own style of play. They've got their own ways of doing things. So meaning that if you were to call players from all these 32 players into the national team, you are going to struggle because those players are coming from uh, 32 different um, you know, uh, from t- 32 different styles of playing, from t- 32 different approach to development. So we need to have a national academy where that will solely focus on producing players that fit the philosophy, the plans, and the style of the national team. If you go into the world, you look, for example, in Germany, they've got one, they've got one plan. You go to Belgium, they've got one plan. You go into Brazil, they've got one plan. So. And if you look at all Brazilians, I mean, we watch, let's say what was just generally watching the EPL, we're watching leagues around the world. If you look at a Brazilian, Brazilians play the same way. Now with South Africa, you will have a super sport, Highlands Park, who play different type brand of football. And then you have Orlando Paris Sundown playing another different brand of football. Now, when you bring those, mm. when you bring players from those teams, they're going not going to, you know, easily draw into into they're not easily going to play easy together, especially if then the national team is having another philosophy that's different from the philosophy of the club. So if you can have at least one national um, national academy or two national academies that are focusing solely on producing teams with the style of the national team and exporting those players as soon as they turn 18 or 17 to Europe to ensure that there's a bit of, uh, you know, we can come back five years time and say the program has been happening. These are many players we exported. To, to Europe, because my worry with South African teams is that they don't believe in youth. Um, you know, we've had so many youth national teams coming through the ranks over the years. I mean, we've qualified for so many tournaments over the years. But if you look, how many players from the Tebu Homukwena generations are, uh, generation are in Bafana Bafana right now? It's probably Tebu Homukwena in who currently. It's only Tebu Homukwena in the setup. If you look at the Olympics team we had in 2016, how many are in Bafana Bafana right now? You can count maybe one or two. So there's no continuity because when players leave the national team and go to clubs, they are not played. So they disappear in the system. We've seen this so many times. So if we can have a national academy that has partnerships with uh, with, with clubs around Europe, then that would that would give us an opportunity for us to have a generation of players that we can pick up, we can pick from from the for the next 10, 20 years. If we can have that system, it will help a lot. Like for example, Ghana have right right to dream academy. Literally, right to dream academy has produced Mohammed's uh, um, Kudus, they've produced Kamal Din Suleiman and many other players that have went overseas and now they are coming back to play for the Ghana national team. Senegal have got a similar academy, the one that produced money and the likes. Mm. They are benefiting from that system. Morocco have got their own system, this academy that produced El Nesseri and I think Amala and another player who are currently in the national team. They've got that academy that is there. That academy exposed players directly to Europe. They've built partnerships. Why don't we have that? It's been how many years after 2010? We still can't say this is one successful story that we have because we can't count the women because the women... A program was not necessarily intertwined with what was happening in 2010. Mm. We were given money, we were given resources, and we were given even the best infrastructure. 
in the entire Africa. That matches even some of the best infrastructure in the world. But till today, Bafana Bafana is lingering at 60-something in 60-something position in terms of the world rankings. And when you look, there is still no clear path of what is how are we going to solve this. Yeah. You know, so we've got many, many problems, my brother. And I think um, we, I don't know, we need to have a solution to these problems. And in my own opinion, the way things are, still things are going to be like this for the next 10 years. But now, why are we not then utilizing the players that are being developed for us at Liverpool? Why are we not utilizing the players that are being developed for us at Ajax Amsterdam, mm. um, at Feyenoord, at Man City? You know, some of the best academies in the world. Why are we not then planning a system that will keep? Because I'm talking about I'm talking about youngsters currently. When I'm mentioning the teams, I'm talking about South African youngsters in those systems currently, as me and you speak. They are being developed and they want to play for South Africa. Why why, do, why don't we as South Africa then develop a system that will monitor that group and keep them together? Because, the, I mean, 90% of the job is being done for us. Yeah. We just have to do 10% and monitor the players and bring them into the system, which will benefit the national team. While we look into how to resolve our development problem. Absolutely, Prince. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us on the show. Your insights are incredible. It's been great chatting with you. Have a fantastic day further. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Thanks for having me, man. Um, have a good day. And yeah, man, um, all the best to your platform. And yeah, we need platforms like that so that we can be able to engage about issues. And yeah, I'm looking forward to coming back in the near future. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Have a good day. Big questions. Even bigger guests, this is The Big Interview.